Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Let's talk about Await Further Instructions. What a unique title for a film. (laughs) It is that. It was actually a fairly (laughs) unique film. It was. I'm not going to get into whether I liked it or not at this moment. What I'm going to say is this is what I plow through horror movies for. I just want something inventive and different and weird and be like, what's going on there? And experience something new. This was definitely something new. It was also the first film this month where as i was watching i was like oh yeah i'm gonna take this movie too seriously yeah well this movie was really asking us to take it too seriously it it very much was in fact that was a thought i had about midway through and then by the end my very last note for this movie is too preachy in all capital letters Uh underlined yeah it was very blunt about its little subtext it did better earlier on because i was actually confused i was like what is this movie trying to say like is this movie anti-vaccination is this movie (laughs) yeah it it had a whole anti-vax part that was pretty creepy is it anti-religion is it anti-what but by the end it was very clear what this movie disapproved of i think i agree with you i'm guessing Let's await further plot description. Here it is. So, Await Further Instructions is a Christmas movie. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Where uh, an estranged son brings his girlfriend back home to meet his family, who are all extremely racist. Amazingly so. Like, you know, like this, like that was okay because those were the characters. It's so different. From other movies we've watched where the movie is racist. Yes. Like, this movie was like, these people aren't so great, are they? It was, yeah. It was very clear that they were terrible. Yeah. Because they were the kind of racist that, like, the typical American doesn't think actually exists, but which actually does exist all oh, over yeah. the world. This movie takes place in, in England, by the way. So anyway, this estranged son returns home, and then before he and his girlfriend can leave, because... Things have gotten so horrible. (laughs) Yeah, they want out. Like, their house gets surrounded by this barrier of something. They don't know what it is. And they're all trapped. And their TV starts sending them messages. Things like... Await further instructions. Await further instructions. (laughs) Or, you know, later on saying, you've all been contaminated. You need to inject yourself with this whatever is in these syringes. Yeah. Which drop down the chimney. Or, like, one of you is a sleeper agent. 
find that person and es- extract the information from them. Yeah, it's not good directions. It's things you shouldn't really do. Oh, absolutely. And like one of the characters points out, it's stuff that's being told to them that is directly related to the things that they're doing and saying mm-hmm. and like every time they start to solve a problem or they start to kind of get along in any sense, another message comes along that sows strife between them. So it kind of goes on that way for a while, and then it disintegrates into straight-up madness for a while. And then we are left with everyone dead except this baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the last survivor. Oh, and how the baby was born is... Probably the most mind-boggling thing I have ever seen in a horror movie. Like, literally, I don't think I have ever had my mind blown the way that scene blew my mind. Yes, it was weird. It was goofy, but insane. But also terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it was just so... Like, like in the 30s, what they thought was scary was like, you know, instant skeleton and... This was instant skeleton. (laughs) I mean, it was, but like the wires were, again, cartoony, but also horrifying. Like it looked like puppetry with the wires. Like you could almost see where the wires were that were moving the wires around (laughs) the the room, right? But then like she gets surrounded by wires. They kind of writhe a little bit. And when they withdraw, she is nothing but bones with an infant Mm -hmm. in her pelvic area like what yeah it was it was really like something from a movie from the 50s like that kind of 50s horror thing where it's so silly but it's done in such a dark way that it didn't seem as silly here and i think maybe it was that the cgi of 2018 was much better even with a you know not well-known movie is going to be much better than anything in the 50s. So, like, I think that ramped up the scariness. or It wasn't even scary. It was just... It was just traumatizing. Well, it was all this... All these wires wiggling around, and it was like... It kind of reminds me of The Thing, where it's Mm -hmm. puppet... It was all puppeteering. Like, I don't even know Mm -hmm. if anything was digital. And goofy like you could tell the way it was moving was you know like muppets yeah but also creepy because it's black wires just dangling around and slipping all over everything and then getting into the dad's head which was disturbing and terrible and using his whole body like a puppet Mm -hmm. like yeah that whole there was about 15 minutes where (laughs) i think i just stared at the screen with my jaw hanging open because wires were holding it like that I mean, metaphorically speaking, yes. Yes, it which, was doing its job. Which exactly, like, okay, so the movie ends with this infant staring at a television screen while the television says, worship me. Like, Which is pretty cool, actually. It is pretty cool, but also super blunt. <laughs> like, it, it come was. on. But, you know, it's funny because as you were talking through the plot of it, I'm like, oh, and that is this kind of metaphor you can take so many other little things out of it besides the obvious big one and the big one is happening for sure but there was a whole thing in there that i really noticed i loved this scene where the son manages to like 
dig a hole through the wall and stick his phone outside the house for a minute and pull it back inside and he looks at what video he recorded and he's Mm -hmm. like oh crap i'm seeing scary monsters and he wants to show his dad and his dad is insistent that he has to obey the television and not look at this kid's phone and i'm like his dad is into fox news obsessed with fox news and will not look at social media to learn the truth. Which, let me be clear, social media doesn't just have the truth, but it does have the truth. It has everything all at once. So you have to discern for yourself, whereas Fox News is a feed of lies that will control you. Not only that, but it wasn't just social media. His son had literally just (laughs) recorded that footage himself of the real world. And the dad was like, No. He puts it in his pocket and he refuses to even look at it. Which is so real. Yes. Like, that's intense. And I feel like that scene actually was meant to give that kind of metaphor rather than to be a part of this big anti-TV thing that the whole movie was about. I mean, I think... think, Not that that's not super related, but... Yeah, I mean, I think they're very closely related. and, And definitely, I agree that that was what that scene was doing. But I can see how that's all part of it. Like, there's also the the religious aspect of it, mm-hmm. where, like, the dad is like, we have to be shepherds to our flock and yeah. be the best you on your worst day. And we have to... I forget all the things that he said, but, like, he was absolutely... Like, he was just regurgitating things that he had been told. Yeah. And it was very clear that, like, the dad had this idea of who... A, constituted an authority figure and he could not go outside of that set box of these are the people who can tell me what to do and i don't have to listen to anyone else they had a nice way of showing us where that came from with his really broken relationship with his father who was insane his dad was horrible Mm -hmm. made him look pretty good by comparison yeah Yeah, I mean, you could see the generational changes, and that was one of the things that I thought was interesting about the whole thing was alongside this storyline about how TV is, you know, infecting our brains, basically, Mm -hmm. there was also this story of fathers and sons and how changing relationship with society, I guess, or, you know, culture impacts those relationships and not in a good way necessarily like each of the sons was a little bit more progressive than the one before and they all had terrible relationships with each other okay so i'm like trying to think okay what are the different aspects of television that they're talking about the different pieces of television media that that are detrimental to our society which i feel like is the message right yeah so there's the political lies and misdirection right then there's religious evangelism Uh the mom one of my early on mind boggle moments in this movie was when they have discovered themselves trapped in this building by what was fairly obviously an an unearthly material right like it didn't look natural yeah and they're trying to get out, and the the son, the main character, is like banging with an axe on the the space that should be the front door, right? That's yeah. covered. And the mom's reaction is to tell him to stop, 
because the neighbors (laughs) neighbors might might hear. Like, that's the point, Mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's like that might have been a poke at British people, you know, because this is a British movie, and it might have been one of those, you know, we are too caught up in politeness and. I mean, it's possible, but it also speaks to me of like that whole perfectionism that is shown through tv like all the sitcoms Mm. and all the dramas like we see these like perfect families and you know their houses are perfectly decorated and they're always clean and you know there's always gourmet food on the tables and things like that and oh and she did that again later later in the movie when everybody's breaking down mentally her thing was stop reminding me about all the people who are dead i have to go clean up because our cousins or whoever are going to be coming over tomorrow right and she goes and makes the house as perfect as she can even though there's literally no food they've thrown it all out because it was quote contaminated yeah and so on oh and when they're having the huge fight about whether to quarantine Angie or not, mm-hmm. she just she leaves the room and then she comes back in singing a Christmas carol. Like yeah. she's just she just keeps trying to pull everything back to this like June Cleaver kind yeah, of I think you mentality. Got there. So then to go back to the daughter and her husband, they made me think about reality TV. Because that daughter, like it wasn't just that they had a weird, like, codependent yeah. relationship. She was very intentionally poking, you know, pressing all the right buttons to set him off. And when they first showed up in the movie, they came into the house arriving for Christmas, and the husband was filming everything on his phone and was going, Oh, hey, selfie, let's, mm-hmm. here's grandpa. And, it was mm-hmm. more of them being reality TV. I think you've unlocked something here where they were doing each different thing and showing us all of it. That's very fun. It was. It definitely is giving me an added appreciation having having this little realization. But it still felt, by the end, just a tad heavy-handed. <laughs> I don't know. Just a tiny bit. I don't know if it was a tiny bit or not, but there was heavy-handed. There was heavy TV-handedness. Uh, <laughs> ooh, callback. <laughs> this is our second movie this month where TVs are slammed onto people's bodies. Not necessarily the hand, but various yeah. body parts. Yeah, yeah. It's a very common theme. Okay, so at the end, they have this whole thing where he's like, oh, it's a parasite, which, there you go, TV is a parasite, Mm. and it can't kill us, which is something, but why did it work so hard to kill so many of them in the first place and leave just a few? Okay, but it didn't kill them. It did, though. It killed the mom directly. It gassed up all the rooms upstairs and was trying to force them downstairs, but did it by killing them. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of the movie, it told the, well, it told them all, but effectively when the TV tells people things, it's the dad who listens. It told the dad, make a sacrifice for the unborn, which was totally pointless, but it was just an opportunity to kill somebody. Yeah. I mean, it spent a lot of the movie trying to convince people them to kill each other. Yeah. Very successfully, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And so it disappoints me, actually, to realize, yeah, it didn't stick to that, because I really wish that it had. It would have been even more effective. Like, okay, so they're pretending, you know, it's pretending that there's a gas coming in to the mm-hmm. room where the mom is trapped, and somehow that leads to, you know, 
whatever. Yeah. She gets hit in the head with an axe as the son's trying to get her out of the room <laughs> or whatever. Like, there were ways that could have been done that would have stuck with that idea. Yeah. I, I mean, it feels weird how at the end they kind of pulled out this idea that it's a parasite, it needs us alive, and it didn't really. It wanted to kill them. And obviously, it wanted to give birth to the TV messiah, but besides that. Well, I definitely made the note where it can't kill us, we're the only ones left. And I was like, um, that's a leap because I know, you just first of all, that. you don't know what's going on outside. <laughs> In fact, you saw that there were, you oh, know, yeah. whatever snake alien monsters outside too. <laughs> like, y- he knew that it was going on outside of his house. Yeah. So why he would assume that them, right. like that they are the only, it's only last hope well, seems kind was, of arrogant. I think the idea was something where it was like, he realized it wasn't trying to kill him in that moment. Like, you know, he was stepping towards it and it wasn't attacking him. And so he like figured that out, but it was kind of, it was vague. And I don't know why it was, would have been doing that. I really wanted them to go a different direction with that because there were, there was a very clear point Right around that time, maybe shortly after he said that, where he starts, uh huh, he's going at moving it. up on his dad who had the you know TV wires in his brain and was you know mm-hmm. his the dad puppet, and every time he would step forward assertively, the TV would step back, yeah. and I'm like, ooh, I had already picked up on the whole TV metaphor by then. <laughs> Somehow you got that. Somehow, and I was like, okay, there's something about. You know, they're going to say something about how how we're going to counter this. How do we mm-hmm. not let this parasite destroy our brain? And it has to do with fighting back, right? But then no. they died and the baby was born. And yeah. then we panned out to see that the rest of the world had gone the same way. Like, yeah, the entire world. I mean, <laughs> so it did not seem like a hopeful movie at the end. No, it was not. And they could have had a kind of happy ending. And I think it wouldn't have been inappropriate but also horror movies often just end with there you go everybody did yeah yeah no i don't have a complaint about that and uh, you know sort of the whole like bo burnham inside message this was welcome to the internet the movie (laughs) definitely yes it was but you know it was definitely that idea of like oh well it's too late guys you know we're aware of the problem but it's too far gone. There's nothing we can do about it. Sort of a, uh, yeah. that's where it left me. Yeah, that's not great. Definitely much darker than Bo Burnham was, <laughs> but still, same idea. So you mentioned when the TV told the dad that there needed to be a sacrifice. So the dad is like hyper Christian, right? Yeah. And is leaning on his Christianity through the whole movie about, you know, like that's why he gets to be the leader and, you know, he uses the idea of Christianity to try to bully the the son-in-law into following along with him and doing what he's told, you know, doing what he tells him to do and all of that. And then he thinks that his God, the TV, <laughs> is asking for a sacrifice to have this baby be born. Yeah, he just went for it. And he immediately decides to kill anyone he can get his hands on. Yeah. Like, like there are preferences. He would very much like to kill the foreign girl because <laughs> she's not really human. And when that can't happen, you know, he's happy to kill anybody else. Yeah. Which really led me to, like, think about the fact that I have never 
ever seen a situation in real life or in TV or movies where a religious character, a hyper-religious character like this, is told, you have to sacrifice someone (laughs) and says, I will be the sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, that seemed like a good option for him, and he was not... No. But you know what he would have done, which is very common for these kind of people, is... You don't understand. I need to be here because I'm the one who knows all this stuff. I've got the morals. If I'm the one who goes, it's all these heathens that are left. I have to stick around. Then he doesn't have a whole lot of faith in his God or the power of the sacrifice, does he? He's making the sacrifice of staying and continuing to do it is the (laughs) thing. That's how they say it, too. Yeah. Like, I am doing the hard job of staying alive and living in this difficult world. Someone has to be living. Gross. Okay. Um, It just really brought that to mind. Yeah. There were enough things about this movie, like hallucination and gas and being trapped and those sorts of things, that made me think that this movie might take a turn that a previous movie did, where it ended up that none of it had happened and that they were oh, that the people in the house were about. dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, because they were sealed in, there was no nothing to breathe. And I think at the beginning when they first woke up and discovered they were sealed in, there was something where like they had a, a fire going or something and it's like they probably were they all were talking about being dizzy and stuff. They probably were having some problems that's the very first thing where i was like oh i wonder how this is going to end because yeah as they were trying to leave angie and nick were both talking about how they sort of had like they felt lightheaded and their throats hurt or whatever like they yeah. were certain and, and they sounded kept, very accurate yes and so i was like oh okay and then they went and found they were trapped and i'm like okay so none of this is happening like they didn't right. even wake up one of them someone is having this as like <laughs> their hallucination as they're dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, that could be an explanation for it. Except then it doesn't make any sense that after all of this happened, then we, we, the audience get to see that the whole world is infected by these TV aliens. Yeah. I mean, I think officially what happened in the movie is what happened. Yes. Yes. It is a theory. Speaking of health problems, these people had the daughter ended up breaking her leg. And first of all, when you break your leg in a movie, it's much worse than when you break your leg in real life. It's always a compound fracture. It goes flying out of your skin. Like, there's just nothing there. Yikes. That happens every time, and I don't like it. No. So, that was bad, and apparently led to sepsis. Fastest sepsis in the West. Within minutes. Like, she died of blood poisoning, like, an hour later. <laughs> I mean, I was wondering <laughs> when it happened. I'm like, did, did we skip forward a few days here? What What is going on? No, she she just didn't last very long. Yeah, for being as uh, for having as much attitude as she had, <laughs> she was not a very strong person. She apparently. was not a very bright person, that's for sure. <sighs> My favorite line of the whole <laughs> thing is when she tells Angie that the word tumult isn't a real world word because Indian words don't count. And Angie says, "Would you like me to get the dictionary?" Again. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. She was, Angie had a lot more fire than I would have in this situation. Like, I mean, 
obviously this is me, but I would be backed against the wall, barely responding to all of this insanity. But she stood up for herself and she absolutely spit back. did. And Nick stood up for her too. I like that. Like it was an amazing example of when people are treating someone you love terribly, even people you love, and you're like, uh, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you do don't that. get to do this. And we rarely see that. Usually in a situation like this in horror movies, that person, that like outsider is isolated. And even the person yeah. they came with gets sucked into their family drama and doesn't protect them. Uh, that was something you said right at the beginning of the movie. You were like, this is like Get Out because it started out feeling like Get Out. Oh, yeah. It had some hardcore Get Out vibes with how overtly terrible they were. Mm hmm. Which they weren't in Get Out, but... Yeah, yeah it's ironic that that was the case. I but totally get it. Yeah. One more of those little side metaphors in there that I noticed, I'm not even sure when I wrote this down, but you can definitely see it throughout the movie, was there was a whole lot in there about how you interpret data and you twist it to suit your own beliefs rather than mm. actually taking it as data because the messages from the TV were cryptic and, you know, they should have mm -hmm. been thinking about why is the TV telling us things. And the dad would keep twisting it around and being like, well, what it means is that I have to be the shepherd and take care of you all. Right. Like that's... And, and for example, when it said one of you is a sleeper agent and he just starts beating up on his son, like... First of all, why didn't he consider the crazy foreign lady that he hated so much that definitely didn't grow up with him? Like a sleeper agent who's been in your family his entire life. I don't know. It, it definitely highlighted the lack of logic and critical thinking around just doing what you're told or believing what you're told. Yeah. What you think you're told by the TV. And I think that was a whole layer that they were doing besides worship the TV was authority and mm -hmm. listening to authority without question it's a big part of it absolutely and the abuse of authority well and kind of related to this is i think there was an underlying element there about all the different external and internal pressures that can drive us to make decisions like yeah. You know, the family related things, the idea of what will the neighbors think, right. um, you know, the whole family versus the units within the family, you know, the daughter and her husband, the son and her, his girlfriend, you know, the parents, all of that, the mom and how she like just let the dad control everything yeah. until her daughter died and he said, this changes nothing. And she slaps <laughs> the crap out of him. He kind of broke after that point. He, I mean, he was broken the whole movie, but he broke it. He shut yeah. down after that. Or like the dad talking about the pressures of raising a family and, you know, being a dad. Um, the grandfather who clearly had been in the war mm -hmm. and clearly had been screwed up by lots of things there. There were just so many... All those different aspects of life that push on you and cause you to make decisions outside of what you might make if you were in a calm, rational place. Does a calm, rational, safe place. Because a lot of it was trauma that they'd been holding on to for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it was about that. I mean, this is one of those pressures, but that being trapped now mm -hmm. suddenly everything goes out the window and society collapses mm -hmm. kind of lord of the flies style 
I'm not going to lie. I can definitely relate to and understand that feeling of it's the holidays. I am back (laughs) in the house I grew up in or, you know, some semblance of that. And, you know, like I have been transported back in time, like Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years back. And that itself is a pressure. Like it's really hard to... Like, that's why I was so impressed by Nick, I think, that even though he was back in this situation that clearly had had a huge impact on him and who he was, the kind of impact that made him be gone for three years without contacting his parents once, and for him to be able to stand up to that to protect his girlfriend was impressive. Yeah. I mean, clearly that was not how he was raised. He was taking a stand. I'm very torn about how to rate this movie because there were a lot of things about it that I really, like, really appreciate. I I appreciate all the metaphor and weightiness that it brought, mm-hmm. maybe even more so because we have yet to come across one that had nice, meaty, weighty, metaphorical story to yeah. it. That being said, it was clumsily done. Mm-hmm. I thought the characters were really interesting. The story was interesting. It was all it was all unique. Like I was captivated by it. And at the same time, this is the first movie this month also where I literally covered my eyes. There was a point where the dad, you know, in trying to get information from the sleeper cell was doing something. I don't even know what, because (laughs) I closed my eyes and covered my ears and hummed (laughs) while it was happening. Something with his son's eye. Yeah. He didn't do anything to it, but he threatened it. Oh, I was so afraid of what was going to happen that I had to like completely stop getting input from the movie at all because I couldn't (laughs) handle it. And it was like, worship me the (laughs) whole. So, and and there were several instances where I was like, oh, too much, too much, too much. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, get comfortable with all of the sensory input that this movie was was giving me. It was very intense. It was a rough situation. Yes. So, I guess, because usually I, like, ask myself, would I recommend this movie for other people? Yes, because I think it was really unique and worth seeing. But then also, would I want to watch it again or am I glad that I watched it? I don't know if I am. Yeah. So uh, I feel like creativity is really something that I consider important. So I am going to give this movie the benefit of the doubt and award it four boiled syringes out of five. That's maybe higher than it really deserves, but we've watched a lot of horror movies and it is rare to come across one that has any kind of plot that we haven't seen a gazillion times before. <laughs> that is true. And this was unique. So I'm going to, I'm going to reward that. Yeah. So the boiled syringes, I just, the whole time that was happening, I was just thinking about Pfizer having to be kept <laughs> not only in the freezer, but it's special <laughs> super freezers. Right. These people get a mystery vaccine <laughs> and they fu- boiled the syringes it was in. It's dropped down the chimney in a <laughs> in a Ziploc bag. Those syringes did not have like covers no, on the needle sealed. part. And Angie's like, these are not sterile. 
And the dad's like, I'll just throw them all in this pot of boiling water. <laughs> like, well, the vaccine is definitely not going to work now. <laughs> not that it was a vaccine or right. anything. Yeah, we don't know what that was, but it wasn't good. Do you think it was a fluke that the grandfather died right after that? Do you think that just like one of them was bad and it was going to be a random? That was my original idea was it was kind of like a saw thing where they're like, mm. one of these syringes is going to kill somebody, but you have to take them all. But I think what it was, was a preparation for the baby and killed the grandpa because he was old. Because hmm. okay. I mean, the baby was infused with badness. Yes. And I don't know how else it would have gotten that way. I mean, couldn't it have happened during the time when the wires were stripping well, all of the meat off of his mother's bones? I mean, I guess. But the wires were very busy at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I think it's plausible. So, I feel like you've aptly described my feelings here. This movie was, like, kind of clumsy and, you know, not not perfectly executed by any means. But also really interesting and fun. And like we said, it beats you over the head with the point, which is, I guess, not really a great thing. But it was nice to have that there, to have a point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I went right into this knowing that I was planning to give it four boiled syringes out of five myself. So, yeah, that's, I think, that's what it deserves. It's a good one. It's quite interesting. It was. I mean, it's definitely... I mean, MovieBot has picked us a lot of gory movies. It has. It was gory. There was a lot of, like, special effects of things that are going to make you recoil in <laughs> sympathetic discomfort, right? So if you don't like that kind of movie, you're definitely not going to like this. But it was unique. Yeah, we're just following the instructions that this spreadsheet is giving us and it's doing true. whatever it tells us. <laughs> it's very true. Whether that hurts us or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... We should talk about the evil twins to this movie. Indeed. Which was called Await the Dawn. Await the Dawn is the evil twin of Await Further Instructions because it has the word await in it. I saw the connection immediately. That was the best I could do. What I did not see was the movie because, yeah, it was not, I was not having it. You were present for a large portion of it. Well, I don't remember any of it, and I was intentionally trying not to watch it. So why don't you tell us what you thought of Await the Dawn? Well, here's the deal with Await the Dawn. I like how you took your glasses off like you were about to like give a really college professor kind of analysis. I'm your rapt student. <laughs> All right. Well, let me deliver my soliloquy on this movie. This is... Clearly very Lovecraft-inspired. In fact, one of the characters is named Howard Phillips, which is the HP of HP Lovecraft. The thing is, though, the Evil Dead series is also Lovecraft-inspired, obviously. And this movie is a blatant attempt at doing an Evil Dead movie, to the point where they use the same font for the titles. I mean, <laughs> they were really... I mean, I'm sure it's homage is what they're doing, but it was truly... Well, at least that's what they would call it. Yeah, it was truly... I mean, they weren't copying it. It was a very different plot, but everything about it was straight up Evil Dead. And that's the problem with this movie. Oh, besides the really bad acting from the <laughs> little girl in the movie. The bad guy is oh. this little girl and she's not quite up to the job. The way it felt like to me was that she did a really good job of memorizing her lines. 
Yeah, she knew what to say. She just had no idea how to say it. <laughs> so the whole movie then, that's the gist of it, is it looked and sounded just like an Evil Dead movie, but the magic was missing. And that's what made me realize that there is magic in art. The scene I was looking at when I wrote that note was there was nothing about it that wouldn't have been exactly the same in a Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi movie, except this was boring. <laughs> Like the same, it was a crazy, you know, deadite was attacking them and going and coming at them and horrible laugh. Exactly what you would have in that movie. But here it was uninteresting because they didn't quite have the hook. They they had all the same stuff, but just not the hook. They even tried to have like little, uh, you know, catchphrases thrown out. Not very well at all, but they tried. Well, I almost think that that is the problem. They tried. Like, they were trying so hard to make that particular style happen that they couldn't quite get there. Because the Raimis and Bruce Campbell were not, didn't have to try to make that style happen. That's just who they are. Like, I think that is the secret to art. It is. You know, if you are, if you are embracing the way you create something and like going wholeheartedly into it, it has a much better chance of being successful than if you see someone else be successful and are like, I'm going to try to copy that. Yeah. And that, that's where we are with this one for sure. It's a goofy, low budget, bad movie is what it is. It's just not great. But I did have a lot of fun watching it. Like it's the yeah. kind of thing for me, even though it's not really good. It wasn't like super fun, like really bad movies like Landshark, but it was enjoyable enough to keep me going. Mm-hmm. Still, it deserves only two cell phones out of five. Okay. I don't think I'm going to rate this one because I don't feel like I I don't Wait. feel like I paid enough attention to it. You know what your rating for this movie is? Speaking what? of cell phones, we were about 10 minutes from the end of this movie and you got a phone call and you got up to take it and I'm like, "Oh, I'll pause it." And you're like, "No, don't bother pausing it." <laughs> that is exactly what I said. That's your <laughs> like, rating. It's fine, just finish you're it. You're just going to go take your phone call. <laughs> yeah. There was no point part of me that was like, oh, I wonder how that ended. I let you tell me how it ended. <laughs> yeah, I gave you a lot of details. But I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't feel like it would be fair for me to rate it. It was cheese ball. But what we're going to see next time is, I think it's a Netflix original, and it's called The Silence. Fascinating. I am very much looking forward to it. You should be. It will be served alongside an evil (laughs) twin called Dead Silence, which I think is from 2007. And I think that because I just looked at my listing of it from 2014 when I reviewed it already. This is one I have seen before and rated before. And I think I'm going to watch it again. I'm curious whether your rating will change. Yeah. So that one is about evil puppets. Terrific. It has a fun twist at the end. I can't wait. You don't have to watch it. (laughs) All right. We're out. Peace out, everybody.
evangelical is evangelic is evangelism 